Welcome to Travels in a Mathematical World, a podcast from the Institute of Mathematics and its applications, the IMA. My name is Peter Ollett. This is episode 54. 54 is the number of coloured squares on a Rubik's Cube. This week on the podcast, uh, I'm at the University of Nottingham with Sarah Shepherd, who is a PhD student here and also edits I Squared magazine. And we're going to talk through some maths news. In January, the BBC reported that French computer scientist Fabrice Bellard claims to have calculated almost 2.7 trillion digits of pi. The previous record of 2.6 trillion digits, which is held by a Japanese computer scientist, was computed using a supercomputer, but Bellard carried out the calculations on his much slower desktop computer. And to achieve this, he developed a new algorithm for computing pi, which he claims is 20 times more efficient than previous methods. Mr. Bellard says it's not the digits of pi that interest him, but the new methods that are produced in the process of calculating them. He wrote on his website, Arbitrary precision arithmetic with huge numbers has little practical use, but some of the involved algorithms are interesting to do other things. And Ivar Peterson, Director of Publications at the Mathematical Association of America, added that people have used Pi as a vehicle for testing algorithms and for testing computers. It's more than just for the fun of it. Pi is a way of testing a method, and then the method can be used for other purposes. So I noticed that the University of Bristol are working on a sequence of five short documentary films exploring how mathematicians think and work, their passion for the subject and what their motivations are and how they view themselves. So the titles are Are Mathematicians Creative? Is a Mathematical Proof Beautiful? False Trails, Moment of Truth, and Some Random Thoughts. Uh, this is led by Professor John Keating, who I've heard talk, but I haven't, I haven't seen the videos. Yeah, I have seen them. They were, they're very nicely made, and they, they give quite an interesting insight into how mathematicians work and think. Good. I think it's, I think it's something that people could do with exploring more of. Um, I was having a debate earlier that math- mathematics is often presented in a very polished, finished way, and you don't often see much of the sort of the process of mathematics being done as a student, necessarily. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had a friend send me um, some mathematics work that her 13-year-old son had done, and this caused me to ask Twitter for a list of books that were um, appropriate for a keen 13-year-old mathematician. So I got this list, and, and people, and I put it on my blog. Anyway, and then today somebody sent me um, Marcus de Soto is interviewed um, on a website called The Browser and he chooses five books which reveal the beauty of mathematics. So I thought that was worth, worth looking at. Marcus de Soto was actually made an OBE for Services for Science in the New Year's Honours list. There was an interesting, um, some interesting images, some quite pretty images of a 3D interpretation of an object similar to the Mandelbrot set, uh, which is being called the Mandel Bulb. Daniel White is a fractal image maker based in Bedford, and he says that there have been previous attempts at a 3D Mandelbrot image, but they do not display a real fractal behaviour, and he was quite keen to create a mathematical object that would, that would do this. The images are quite striking to look at, and there's an article on how it was done in The New Scientist, so I'll put a link to that. Uh, the Times had a report on a new exhibition at the Science Museum called 1001 Inventions, which is all about the discoveries made by Islamic scientists, uh, particularly... I don't actually have any dates. Um, so 7th century onwards. Oh, 7th century, yeah. 
I don't know what period you call that. Like our Dark Ages, wasn't I it? I know, but Dark Ages isn't, isn't quite what you... You're supposed to say early medieval period. I was speaking to <laughs> a friend of mine's an archaeologist. But essentially the way it happens is there's, there's Greece, and then there's the Dark Ages, and then there's the Renaissance. And during the Dark Ages is the Islamic Golden Age. <laughs> and actually, most, well, a lot of what we know about science and mathematics comes to us, a lot of it from Greece and India and places, but a lot of it is through um, Islamic translations of it. And, and they develop the work further. And things like, I mean, there's an Islamic mathematician for whom we get the word algebra and algorithm and such basic things like this because it's come to us that way there's a lot of yeah a lot of leakage of islamic culture into the renaissance feeling the renaissance so this this idea of the dark ages is kind of a silly one really it just means for europe nothing was happening <laughs> rather yeah. Than it, yeah but i think uh, many mathematical discoveries that weren't made in the west until much later had actually been made earlier by mm. Islamic mathematicians and also Asian mathematicians. Yes. And it wasn't realised. Mm. And still a lot of people don't realise, which is, I think, one of the aims of this exhibition is to make people more aware yeah. of not, not just mathematicians, but engineers and physicists. Anyway, the exhibition runs from the 21st of January to the 25th of April, and entrance is free. So I have a couple of teaching stories. The BBC reported that the number of people joining teacher training courses in England this year exceeded government targets for the first time. It says even in maths. <laughs> so there are, there are apparently 2,897 trainee maths teachers this year, which is 8% above the target. Do they have any data on completion rates? No. <laughs> or on how long they stay in the job once they've, once yeah. they've graduated. Yeah. I think last time we may have spoken about the increased number of people into A-level mathematics. So a report by Caroline Davis of the Maths Promotion Unit at Mathematics Today, the IMA members publication, tells us that applications to study mathematics are up this year. The number of students accepted onto university courses to study mathematical sciences in UK universities rose by 7.6%, uh, which is a provisional, provisional figure from UCAS which means a total of 6,908 students have accepted places. Uh, so this is interesting, and I, I, tell students, um, I tell students when I give my careers talk that the numbers are up, and I notice this in first-year um, mathematics departments, the first year is often larger, and the numbers going into A-level is larger, and, and the numbers applying is larger, which is brilliant news for mathematics, and it's exceptionally good news for people who are at university now, because they're just slightly ahead of that curve. Yeah, but I was. I'm sure I, think I saw something um, in the news about university places going to be capped or something. So yeah, there's a lot of funding cuts and things like that. Yeah. 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 So it surely can't continue to increase. Girls are just as good at maths as boys, but they are too shy to realise their talents. The Telegraph tells us that new research has found. Uh, it, it's it's looking at the uh, trends in international mathematics and science study for the programme of international student assessment, which is this Tim something survey um, that gets done. Based on the maths test results of half a million students in 69 countries, uh, girls had equal ability to boys, but their lack of confidence in their maths ability meant they were less likely to pursue a career in maths-based professions, such as engineering, information technology and science. It says here, girls need to be encouraged to continue on with mathematics to change the gender imbalance among those professions which rely on maths, according to the researchers. 
There's a story about bored pupils um, having dance and fashion used to get up their interest in mathematics. It says here, drama, role play, music and dance to get children interested in subjects such as math and science. This is according to an Ofsted report. So there's some criticism that in order to make teaching interesting and to engage pupils, you have to get down to their level. The point of school is to introduce children to new things and challenge them. Uh, but the, the Director of Education at Ofsted says that creative approaches to subjects made lessons more relevant and engaging for pupils. The report was based on an inspection of 44 state schools in England. And it claims that trendy methods of teaching boost results. One school saw GCSE results double in three years after introducing an overhaul of teaching methods. But the big news in education is the, um, the National Centre for Excellence in Teaching Mathematics commissioned the Guardian, uh, the Education Guardian, to do a special report on how to build up confidence in teaching and learning mathematics. This is called Do the Maths. And it has features such as uh, teaching maths using Google Maps, using um, games consoles, uh, there's an article about the Mathematics Careers website relaunch, an article about the Charter Mathematics Teacher designation, uh, a self-evaluation tool for mathematics teachers, and a series of short interviews on people on how mathematics made people's careers, which is Simon Singh, Carol Vorderman, Johnny Ball and Kate Bellingham. The Maths Careers website, which is run by the IMA as a joint venture with the London Mathematical Society and the Royal Statistical Society, uh, was relaunched in December. It says here, how are dance and mathematics linked? Can using mathematics save disappearing species? And would a zombie attack help in stopping the spread of diseases like swine flu? Answers to all these questions can be found on the new Masquerades website. This aims to associate maths with the real world and features a wide range of people using maths in their work, from theatre design to climate change modelling and designing computer games, along with clear links to finding out more about these careers. Uh, I think it's a very good resource. I point students to it whenever I can. Got a couple of articles related to engineering, which were on the BBC News website. Uh, Professor Robin Sharp from the University of Surrey has used mathematical models to simulate riding a unicycle to work out the controls necessary to stay upright. Says so the unicycle and the rider are modelled with a wheel, a rigid frame, and an upper body of the rider attached by a spherical joint. Professor Sharp said that his unicycle research had no real application and was just for fun. <laughs> a slightly more serious piece of research is about how slime moulds grow into networks. It says the single amoeboid cells of slime moulds fuse and they spread into a network as they feed and grow. A research team from Hokkaido University in Japan have been studying these slime moulds because they want to capture the efficiency in these biological networks which have evolved over many, many years and use this uh, to inform human engineering decisions. So they noticed that a slime mould that they were observing grew into a network that was almost identical to the Tokyo rail system and therefore they think that using these slime moulds they can develop more efficient wireless communication networks. So they converted the growth strategy of the slime mould into a mathematical formula which can now be used to model self-organised networks such as computer and mobile communication networks that are not centrally controlled. Professor Wolfgang Marwen, a researcher in Germany, has written about the significance of the findings. He said the work provides a fascinating and convincing example that biologically inspired mathematical models can lead to completely new, highly efficient algorithms for applications in areas such as computer science. 
Right, tomorrow I am trying out uh, a new talk at Leicester on chance and coincidence. And one of the things um, that I've, I've drawn on for this, actually, is... Well, I've been thinking about this for a while, but just at the start of January, this chap, Matt Parker, um, at Queen Mary University of London, published this satire of a piece of work that had been done. So there's this chap who had looked at ancient burial sites and had found patterns in their locations based on isosceles triangles, which he claimed means that they were used as a navigational aid. And lots of, well, a couple of newspapers reported this as early sat-nav for cavemen or what have you. And um, the, the chap, he's, he's talking about the, the, the error in the, in the positions means that, um, the, the, that these positions simply couldn't have occurred by chance. And the article says that he does not rule out external help and by external help, he doesn't rule out extraterrestrial help <laughs> in order to get these things lined up so perfectly. So, uh, so Matt Parker, with an awareness of, of coincidence and with a large enough data set, you can find patterns. And if you couldn't find patterns, that would be truly surprising. Um, so Matt, Matt Sutter, uh, he analysed the location of 800 Woolworth stores to reveal precise geometric patterns. He says, we know so little about the ancient Woolworth stores, but we do still know their locations, says Matt Parker. So I thought if we analysed the sites, we could learn more about what life was like in 2008 and how these people went about buying cheap kitchen accessories and discount <laughs> CDs. <laughs> so he found a, an exact and precise geometric placement of three stores around Birmingham forming an exact equilateral triangle. Uh, and if the base of the triangle is extended, it forms a 173-mile link um, linking two further stores. Despite the 173.8-mile distance involved, uh, the, the stores align with an accuracy of 0.05%. So Matt concludes, these incredibly precise geometric patterns mean that the people who founded the Woolworths Empire must have used these store locations as a form of landmark sat-nav to help hunters find their nearest source of cheap sweets that can be purchased in whatever mix they choose to pick. Well, that, or the fact that any sufficiently large set of random data is possible to find meaningless patterns of any required accuracy. Um, so there's more information and some pictures on Matt's website. I'll put a link to those in the in the show notes. And this guy talks about how it was 2,000 years before Greece who claimed to have invented geometry. <laughs> and obviously there were geometers in the cave and all this. And, it's like, um, and even the articles that were serious about it have a bit from, a, from an actual archaeologist saying, this doesn't mean anything at all. It's just how do we manage data. to even get it into the paper? Well, it's like in the Daily Mail and the Metro. It's not. It's not exactly highbrow stuff. <laughs> so I picked a couple of things out from uh, Mathematics Today, the IMA members' publication, as well as having a series of feature articles. It also has some news. The IMA welcomes a new president. The previous president has ended his two-year term. The new president is Professor Mike Walker, OBE recently retired as research, research and Development Director of the Vodafone Group and is now a professor at the University of London, holding the Vodafone Chair in Communications at Royal Holloway and also a visiting professor at the University of Surrey. Okay. There's an article, um, the Royal Society, which is Britain's premier science society, um, learning society, has, is celebrating its 350th year this year. Um, and there's an article about a fellow of the IMA who chaired a group of scientists, communicators and historians who selected 60 trailblazing papers for the Royal Society's website to celebrate the anniversary. Right, I hope you enjoyed listening to that. You'll be able to find show notes relating to today's episode 
uh, in a blog post. You can find a link to that and to all previous episodes of the podcast by visiting www.travelsinamathematicalworld.co.uk. You can find out more about the IMA and students by visiting www.ima.org.uk slash student. If you're interested in what I do, uh, finding me on Twitter and links to Facebook and all that sort of thing, uh, a good starting point is peterollett.net. Thank you for listening.